Welcome to Socially Responsible Business with host Sharon Schneider. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to succeed financially while using your business as a force for good and spend differently without spending more. Now, here is Sharon. Welcome to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. If you were with us last week, you know that the core belief behind Socially Responsible Business, this new show, is that you can actually be more successful, more profitable, more influential, as well as happier and more personally fulfilled when you make choices for your business that are not just good for you as the entrepreneur or business owner, but good for your employees, your vendors, your customers, your community, and the environment. So if you believe that too, then keep listening as we talk about how making socially responsible choices can increase your revenue and decrease your expenses. So in particular, today, we're going to talk about decreasing expenses by increasing employee engagement and reducing turnover, a huge expense for a lot of businesses, through community partnerships and volunteering. So after all, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day a national day of service, when more and more individuals and businesses have adopted the mantra, it's not a day off, but a day on. And a day on meaning a day of service to your community. So many companies take this opportunity to organize employee volunteer efforts with local nonprofits, cleaning up playgrounds, making meals for shelter residents, or maybe staffing a neighborhood fun run. Volunteer days can build employee morale and engagement But does that translate to positive business outcomes? That's an important question. What are the business outcomes that you might expect from engaging in this kind of community partnership and volunteering? We'll discuss the do's and the don'ts of employee volunteerism with our guest, a CSR specialist, Matthew Gans, founder of Evo Advisors, and an advocate helping companies be more effective in their employee engagement and volunteer opportunities. But before we zero in on that particular asset, your employees' time, their skills, their passions, I want to step back with you and take a more thorough inventory of what assets you actually have to work with in partnering with nonprofits, and I include in that local artists in your community. So I think of your assets uh, that you have to work with in different buckets, including physical assets, digital assets, human um, capital, vendor relationships, reputational assets, and of course, financial assets. So let's let's talk through those a little bit. Um, under the human asset, you know, as we said, with many volunteering efforts, people focus on your employees as a source of manual labor, physical effort, right? They can pull weeds, they can paint walls, they can hand out cups of water. Of course, your employees also have skills. They have professional skills that they use working for you. And those are an asset that can be put to use for the community as well. So often called skills-based volunteering. So it might be that accountants have accounting and financial skills. Marketers have the ability to create marketing or plans or execute on ideas um, to assist nonprofits. IT professionals can help with database setup or, you know, computer um, management and and upkeep. So there's all kinds of skills that can be put to use among your employee base as well as their manual labor. Okay, besides that, instead of your human capital, you also have a network 
you have a network over which you are an influential, you know, part. Uh, and that probably includes other business professionals who are also potential supporters or clients um, or volunteers or board members um, for the nonprofit that you can connect them with. So making introductions um, can be an incredibly valuable way to support one of these community partners. Um, they rely on volunteers in the form of, again, you know, skills-based human capital, um, as well as, you know, uh, physical labor, stuffing envelopes, again, you know, working with um, their participants or kids or cleaning up or all kinds of, of jobs. Um, and they need lots of, lots of skills and lots of human capital to accomplish their mission. Okay, so besides your human resources or human capital, you also have a huge number of physical assets that can be uh, beneficial to an organization that you're trying to support. So, for example, if you have an office, you know, you might have a whole building or several buildings. Do you have conference rooms that could host a nonprofit board meeting or a community gathering if they want to get together for some kind of meeting? Do you have a wall that could display an artist mural or photographs of the work of the community partner? Um, you know, walls are advertising space, not just for yourself, but for your partners as well. Maybe you have a parking lot that you could host a nonprofit event, maybe a watering station for a fun run, like I mentioned earlier, or a food drive um, or a trunk or treat event, uh, which, you know, is in neighborhoods where kids um, can't easily go trick or treating to have a business uh, where they can safely um, circulate uh, to do a trick-or-treating event. I've, I've seen folks support that before, and that's a great kind of use of space that, that, uh, that you have available. Maybe you have a big lobby to your building, and you could host a blood drive for your employees or those of surrounding businesses. Uh, you probably also have physical stuff that you don't need anymore, but maybe still has useful life. So you could say, well, who else could use this? You know, when you get new office furniture because you want to update the look, you know, because you have clients in, what do you do with the old office furniture? There are a lot of nonprofits who would really benefit, um, you know, from that because theirs is 20 years older than yours. <laughs> um, it, you know, you may have office supplies that for some reason you've switched your filing system and have all these leftover, you know, physical files. Um, you might be updating your computers and not know what to do with kind of the, the outdated computers. There's probably your nonprofit partners would love um, to get their hands on that. Printers are the same, you know, all kinds of random things. Maybe you're getting a new company car because, um, again, you, you drive clients around or you need to visit um, places and, um, and a nonprofit partner would love to be the recipient of, of any of those kind of physical assets you don't need. If you if you have a product, you also have product labels. You know that's a physical asset um, that can share the work of a of a great community partner. Similarly, maybe you print a program. You know you um, you might have advertising space or footnotes or space on the back of the program um, for something that you're producing anyway um, for your own work. Um, and could include your community partners and give them some space or shout out there. And, and then of course, besides the physical kind of communication channels, you have digital assets, right? All those social media 
digital communication channels that you own, um, probably across a number of platforms. So maybe you've posted in the past about your company volunteering, about your employees volunteering with a partner. Um, and that's, uh, that's all about you. That's all about your company. But what about letting the partner take over your social media for a day? You've probably seen that, a social media takeover. Um, letting them post their message and highlight their impact um, to your audience. That's something that um, costs you nothing. You might have a newsletter. You probably have a website. Again, a lot of times companies highlight their employees' efforts, like, hey, we volunteered with this nonprofit. Um, but you could also... Uh, highlight the work of the community partner, um, advocating for their work and how wonderful they are in those communication channels. Okay, here's one more bucket that you might not have thought about before, which is you have cash flow. You are, and I don't mean grants. We'll get to giving people grants of money. But what I mean is you yourself are a customer of other businesses. So for example, maybe you're hosting an event and you need a space to host that. So have you thought about using a, a museum, uh, a botanical garden, an art studio, uh, something that, you know, by renting the space of that nonprofit, you're providing them with uh, earned revenue to support their mission. And you, it's probably a beautiful um, space to have it. Or maybe for the event itself, you buy tickets um, and have your you know, team building event is a performance or an art exhibit um, where you kind of go and learn um, together about that organization or that artist or, um, you know, enjoy that performance. You probably already buy gifts for some people, maybe for employees, maybe for customers um, or other supporters. Can you buy those gifts from a nonprofit that creates jobs for people facing barriers to employment. So a lot of times the those they're called social enterprises will actually produce uh, a product. You know, here in Denver we have Naughty Ties, we have the Women's Bean Project, um, we have Mile High Workshop. There's a bunch that produce some really cute uh, retail products. Or maybe you could make a donation in their name instead of a physical gift. So this past year, actually, I donated to a charity called Choose Love, which provides all kinds of supplies and services to refugees all around the world. And I sent my clients a card letting them know I had made that donation in their name. Another year, I gave one of my employees a membership to a nonprofit food co-op. Um, but you could also gift museum memberships or tickets to an arts performance, you know, put on a nonprofit. So that's money you're spending anyway. If you need website development help or a coding project or a Salesforce administrator, again, there are nonprofits that train folks to become software developers or IT professionals and take on contract work to help them get experience. So I'll put a link on my website to two that I know, Perscolas and The Last Mile, uh, and you'll be able to find that at theintegratedlife.com. Just click on radio show and you'll see episode uh, guides and resources for each of each of our shows. Um, how about this? Are you advertising? Are you spending money on advertising? So consider advertising with a nonprofit, like my favorite, which is your local public radio station. Um, or again, if somebody else is printing a program 
you know, you can buy advertising space or on a school athletic field, right? They put those signs up in the outfield or on a nonprofit sports team's jersey, um, you know, those leagues, the YMCA, this and that, maybe you become the jersey sponsor for the local little league um, fund. And then one other way you're a consumer that you might not have thought about is that you probably have a business bank account, right? Did you realize that some banks are actually community-based nonprofit entities that serve the local community? And some are big national corporations that serve shareholders. So you can often get more generous underwriting on loans and even better savings and money market rates at a credit union or a CDFI, which is a community development financial institution. So one thing, again, I want to emphasize here is that all the ideas I just mentioned, they don't cost any more than what you're currently doing. You're printing labels anyway. You could probably use some fresh content for your social media. You are buying client gifts anyway. You're hiring an IT professional anyway. So this is what I mean when I say it isn't about spending more. It's about spending and thinking differently. So this mindset shift is moving to what I call an integrated life where the same values you express through your donations of money are present in every part of your business and frankly, your life. So visit theintegratedlife.com and find where to buy a copy of my book, Handbook for an Integrated Life. And that has many, many more examples of the hundreds of decision points every day that are opportunities to live into your values and be part of creating a prosperous community that works for everyone. You're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. When we come back, we're going to talk with Matt Gans, a software developer turned cor corporate social responsibility consultant on how to do CSR initiatives right. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you're a business owner who wants to use the power of free enterprise to not just help yourself and your own family, but your employees, your community, and the world at large, then tune in to Socially Responsible Business. Host Sharon Schneider, a serial entrepreneur and impact advisor to some of the world's most prominent families, will help you uncover all the ways you can succeed financially while using your business as a force for good. Every show will include practical ideas and tools that you can implement right away. And it's not about spending more money. It's about thinking and spending differently. Socially Responsible Business, hosted by Sharon Schneider, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Tune in for And Security for All, hosted by Kim Hakem. Each week, we look into a different aspect of cybersecurity, which is important to know for anyone who is involved with the Internet daily, which is probably all of us. We take the technical jargon and make it easier to understand while 
helping you to identify weaknesses and issues in your own cybersecurity and fix them now. And Security for All is broadcast live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at TheIntegratedLife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, and thanks for being with us today. We're talking about corporate social responsibility, what it is, and what it could be. So my guest today is Matthew Gantz, founder of Evo Advisors and a corporate citizenship strategist, helping companies change how they engage with their community. Matt advocates for a shift away from one-dimensional partnerships and once-a-year volunteerism toward meaningful, ongoing support. Matt, welcome to Socially Responsible Business. Thank you very much for having me. Very, very happy to be here. Well, we will learn more about your recommendations for what meaningful, ongoing support looks like in a minute. But first, I want to hear a little bit about you. So your background is actually not in you know, a career of corporate social responsibility, uh, or CSR for short, your career was as a software developer writing code until a few years ago. So tell us a little bit about your own journey to start Evo Advisors. What was the key insight that made you want to do things differently? Uh, Right. The key insight was seeing companies that have institutional power only wield a portion of it in support of local communities. I became involved in CSR, I think, the way that most people do. I wanted more meaning out of my day-to-day life. I had been doing my job for so long that I think it's just natural to want something more, something new, meaningful. And I was thrilled when I read internal emails promoting um, employee resource groups and bringing your authentic self to work. It spoke to me. And it was exactly what I was looking for. And I didn't have to leave work to find it. You know, I joined a couple of ERGs, the employee resource groups. I attended some quarterly meetings of the environmental group. And I heard a lot of lofty talk. It was about elevating our position as a leader in environmental sustainability and striving to work and drive change in the communities where we live. And I just couldn't wait to become more involved. But with each successive meeting, Um, I saw little to no meaningful action and heard a couple of things that gave me pause. So, for instance, there were more talks about, there was more talk about Arbor Day giveaways and things that were really more appropriate for a company newsletter. And an executive who mentioned that it's important from a talent and brand perspective to be authentic instead of focusing on our actions towards the community being authentic. Long story short, I was asked to help organize an environmental justice speaker series. In preparation, I had written several questions for one of our speakers, targeted serious questions about the support they received from local municipalities and state regulators. And all of my questions were dismissed. The day came, the speaker spoke, 
And the only question anyone asked was the mind-numbingly innocuous, <sighs> what can we do? And that's when I knew these were not serious people. I could do better. And so I started Evo as a result. And, you know, even the term corporate social responsibility to me, I think is, is sort of a very specific subset of activities that a company could undertake, you know, in being a socially responsible business of, of what this show is about. CSR is sort of a field um, and it and it has you know, practitioners and, and departments, how would you define for us what is CSR and what is generally covered under a CSR program in, in a typical company today? Right. And the most conventional of, of, of terms, it's just, it, it's simply an umbrella term that encapsulate, encapsulates everything a company does to try and be a good corporate citizen. And there are, are a number of, of pillars. So, for example, you have DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's, you know, you've got compensation, you've got recruitment practices and performance management. Uh, you have environment and sustainability. This is reducing your own carbon footprint. It's sourcing local uh, ethical vendors and resolving other questionable supply chain issues. Uh, you have employee engagement. That's donations and matching campaigns. It's volunteering that is both skills-based and what's called hearts and hands activities. And lastly, it's corporate philanthropy. And that's your grant-making program. Mm -hmm. um, it, typically, it typically does not involve a company's foundation, if they have one. That's something normally that's been in place for many years and was funded by an endowment by the company, probably. However, they can work in concert with a company's CSR efforts to kind of pool their activity. Um, but that's probably the most conventional um, explanation and the most common pillars. And where in an org chart does a CSR program often live? Is it like part of human resources? Is it part of the marketing department? Both, right? Uh -huh. I mean, this is what they call social impact sprawl. You, your human resources is focused on your DEI, your recruitment and your compensation. Your marketing may be tied to more of your um, like volunteering efforts. So social impact sprawl is really about you know, there's no, it's not easy to manage how your company is getting involved in CSR. You're almost managing a portfolio of activities um, across across your company. So it can report to many different business units. Mm -hmm. So let's take a minute, you know, first to, to kind of be critics here. I mean, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with the way most companies implement CSR? Like what you just, sprawl sounds to me like a negative word, but I'm like, that sounds integrated. That sounds, you know, comprehensive. That sounds great. So yeah. what's what's wrong with the way that most companies are doing this today? Listen, a, a social impact sprawl is hard to manage. You know, it's very common. People fight it. I think I was reading an article by by some consultants at Deloitte at the Monitor Group that were like, don't fight it anymore. It's normal and it's fine. But but let's talk about CSR implementation. That's where I feel very strongly, right? Mm -hmm. 
there's nothing wrong with how CSR is implemented, right? It's how they're designed. CSR is a misnomer, really, right? So if you were to ask a bunch of CSR practitioners what the purpose is, they'd tell you the following, probably behind closed doors, that it's a tool used in the talent war, now, a way to attract and retain talent and boost employee productivity. The fact that these activities create some social impact is a bonus, but it's certainly not the primary objective. I'll just recount, I just want to tell one story. I remember listening to the founder of a well-known CSR software company as he recounted the beginnings and how he was poring over data and being astonished as to how much employees who are not engaged or even actively disengaged were costing corporations. Big bucks. Data showed that doing good in the community can increase engagement and loyalty, not just with consumers, but also employees. At my most critical, I believe that CSR is a solution to the business problem of how we increase productivity and loyalty from our employees. More engaged employees equal more productive employees that stick around. Uh, Question. Wouldn't that explain or might that explain why so many CSR strategies are employee-focused, like the employee resource groups, skills-based volunteering, and most corporate philanthropy Philanthropy, excuse me, is negligible, at least when you're looking at the percentage of a company's profit that gets distributed back to the community. And just one last point, a counterpoint. Wouldn't higher pay also increase employee engagement and loyalty? And the last thing I would say about it, because I don't want to be too critical, but what bothers me the most is the palliative nature of CSR support. Any help is good, of course. But do nonprofits have to accept any gift and say thank you? Without nonprofits, you have no social impact strategy. I wish they would exercise the leverage they have now to get more robust support. And, you know, I think, like, I try to take this as a both and mentality, um, which is that the fact that being respons- socially responsible is good for business, like, that by itself, there's nothing wrong with that. What, where I think it gets twisted is where you only care about it being good for your business and you don't care about whether it's actually good for the community and the nonprofit. So it's like, can we take a both and mentality, right? If you really do care about the nonprofits that engages your partners, um, then there are some things you'd want to do a little bit differently. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to specifically employee volunteerism, you know, what would you do differently if you have that both end mentality? Yes, I know that it's good for my employees, but I also want to do this in a way that's good for my nonprofit partner rather than sort of just using them um, to get my employee satisfaction numbers up. <laughs> right, right. Um, skills-based volunteering programs are not built the same. Okay. Some focus, you know, they're like that one step beyond sending your employees on a bus to a nonprofit for a day. It's the same time commitment. Okay. Except now you're, 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 you're offering your employees and, and sometimes in a virtual manner, your marketing professionals, your, your tech professionals, your database administrators, 
to write marketing plans or write up documents for database migrations and hand it off. And there were no subsequent engagements uh, that would focus on implementation. Okay, so yes, focus on your subsequent implementations, uh, your subsequent engagements for implementations, but also beyond that, keep those same employees on call on an as-needed basis for maintenance and support. Because what a lot of non what a lot of nonprofits lack are that technical uh, expertise. And don't leave your financial department out of this. You know, performing a financial analysis of one of your partners can definitely find new pathways for support, but they can also help identify potential gaps and um, working with the budget and basically, you know, bringing up the, 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 these people, like transferring your skills. So, you know, that would be the basis of a very solid uh, employee skills-based volunteering program. So the key there is consistency and not sort of a one-day event, but an ongoing engagement uh, to make sure that it sort of really uses the skills that you have, especially to implement, right? So if they come in one day and do analysis and then say, oh, here's five things you need to do, the nonprofit might be saying, boy, that, that'd be great, but I don't really know how to implement that. And that's where your own uh, continued engagement can make a big difference. Of course, you don't want to create more work for a nonprofit, you know, and some skill. and listen, there are skills-based consultants that cost tens of thousands of dollars that you can hire for your company to kind of find these people who would readily do it and keep on doing it over the year. Instead of those people who are going to do it, tag your company on LinkedIn, which everybody loves, bravo, right. each other on the back and move on. Yeah. You're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, and we're talking with Matt Gans, founder of Evo Advisors, about corporate social responsibility, or CSR. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a business owner who wants to use the power of free enterprise to not just help yourself and your own family, but your employees, your community, and the world at large, then tune in to Socially Responsible Business. Host Sharon Schneider, a serial entrepreneur and impact advisor to some of the world's most prominent families, will help you uncover all the ways you can succeed financially while using your business as a force for good. Every show will include practical ideas and tools that you can implement right away. And it's not about spending more money. It's about thinking and spending differently. Socially Responsible Business, hosted by Sharon Schneider. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at TheIntegratedLife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Matt Gans, founder of Evo Advisors and a strategic consultant to companies who want to shift away from one-dimensional partnerships and once-a-year volunteerism toward meaningful, ongoing support. So, Matt, who would you say is doing employee volunteerism right? Are there models out there that you really like? Oh, yeah. There, <laughs> there are a lot of people doing it right. And when it comes to employee volunteerism, I'm going to start and end with Google.org, right? Google's foundation. They have tiered volunteering programs that range from hearts and hands activities like packing meals where they need warm bodies to skills-based volunteering, which is what we were just talking about, to six-month sabbaticals on-site where employees, after having worked for a certain amount of years normally, can work temporarily for a nonprofit of their choice. You know, this caters to the different ways that people like to volunteer. It's very effective. Beyond employee volunteerism, Patagonia is often the gold standard. Right. So in recent years, I think when they transferred ownership of their company to a to a trust, right? Mm-hmm. But the trustees are there to ensure that the profits go towards climate change efforts and protecting underdeveloped land. A uh, final model I, I will say I'm a big fan of is REI. You know, they have a cooperative ownership model, member owned. Fantastic. Those are the organizations that that I look up to. And I and, and you mentioned sort of Google's model where they can spend time. I I, I recall a friend of mine was like number employee number a hundred at Google, and they actually get to spend something like five percent or ten percent of their time working on sort of a volunteer option, or at least they did of their choice. And I'm seeing this sort of as a trend with sort of more companies implementing something called VTO, volunteer time off. And I think the difference there I would describe is. Instead of we're going to organize a big day where you all do a project together, you know, and have team building, it's more about letting you pick what you're passionate about. Have you seen VTO and um, uh, have experience with companies offering this as an alternative? Uh, I've heard of it, but I've never experienced it firsthand. But yes, it's increasingly common, right? And it's not just as an alternative for a day of service. It's often in addition to. And it's a nice little benefit that companies offer that doesn't cost much. Again, being a little critical, 
but I imagine most employees don't take advantage of it. But it looks good. The optics are fantastic. And for the people that do take advantage of it, God bless you. Yeah, yeah. And so besides the the labor, whether it's skills-based or manual labor, besides kind of employee volunteering, what other assets do you think a good CSR program should be activating to support the nonprofit and community partners that they work with? Right. Uh, I don't want to, I mean, obviously I'm criticizing employee engagement. Employees are valuable, but they're only one dimension of a company's power, right? Companies love to say that their employees are their greatest asset, but respectfully, I disagree. First, companies have money and they're incentivized to give to nonprofits as they get tax deductions. And they're not beholden to giving in the same way as traditional philanthropy. So give using trust-based philanthropy as a guide. You do the due diligence and don't require lengthy applications and reporting. Give in an unrestricted, multi-year manner. Next, companies have what employees don't. Institutional power. Larger ones with public affairs, policy, and government relations departments have valuable municipal contacts in the community that can help amplify a nonprofit's message, grow their network, and maybe even board a um, couple final notes. A company with a political action committee can platform local progressive candidates, you know, ones that back environmental justice initiatives that support vulnerable communities of color. When you pull those additional levers in support of local nonprofits, then you are acting in ways that are commensurate with your power, as you should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think with the, the grant making question, I'm going to say something that probably sounds a little counterintuitive now, which is that I'm actually not a fan of companies selecting a few nonprofits and giving them money. And I, I have two reasons for this. One is actually you, you alluded earlier to kind of higher wages. I mean, I'd rather a company give the money to their own employees as wages. Everyone in your company needs to be receiving a fair living I mean, even a generous wage before you have enough spare cash to give grants to an outside charity, in my opinion. So you take care of your own employees first. And two, you know, I'd almost rather you match the giving of your employees to support their choices of nonprofits and causes rather than asking your employees and customers, you know, round up for this cause or that to support your choices. So I do recognize that lots of employers like to do this, to give grants, you know, as a way to show very publicly that they give back. Um, and I really appreciate your point about if you're going to give cash, keep it no strings attached. I will just share, I'm the board chair of a nonprofit and I was meeting with the executive director literally this morning talking about corporate volunteerism. And he said, you know, it's kind of just a path to the grant. Like yeah. they, you're, you're, you're really putting more work into hosting their employees and finding a volunteer project for them. And the reason you do that is because you are hoping they're going to give you cash. And so, um, you know, I, I'm just kind of struck that um, if you are asking someone to host you for a volunteer effort, it should come with cash already. Like don't uh, make them, right? Like compensate them because they mm -hmm. are doing you a favor. I mean, they're yeah. doing you a favor by providing that volunteer opportunity, probably more than you're doing them a favor. Oh my gosh. In a lot of I'm, cases. 
I'm shaking my head because you <laughs> are speaking the truth. All right. First point, right? You know, personally, I speak with a lot of people who are discouraged by job searching, right? They're not finding it, or like as is so prevalent in my previous field of software engineering, it's only contractual, right? Businesses optimize for profit. Leaders are taught to optimize every component of your business, including your employees, no matter the cost. And the human cost is high or can be quite high. Insecure employment can keep people, people from buying homes, making other large financial purchases, and otherwise engaging fully in the economy. Globalization, and I'm not going to go off too, on a, too, too much on a tangent, but with as many benefits, it also allows companies to think of themselves as stateless. Right, The mindset permits you to source the cheapest labor wherever you may find it. And that untethers companies from their communities. And it absolves them of any responsibility they may have felt they had, if they ever did. So I'm in total agreement with you. Taking care of your employees financially should also be a core tenet of CSR. A company's efforts, efforts should start internally and then extend outward into the community. Last point. Democratizing giving has a lot of support. Choosing your own charities. Groundswell. It's an app, a popular modern giving platform designed for companies. It already does this in a super nice way. And people should check them out. Yeah. Yeah. That matching, it's like a matching platform. I know. Yeah. And and I mentioned my favorite uh, public radio always... Um, make sure to remind you that when you make a gift, hey, check it out. A lot of employers will match your gift. So make sure you submit that. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that's a great, they're probably not just reminding the employees, but they're also nudging some employers to say matching gifts, matching gifts. <laughs> right. Uh, right. That's a, that's a great tool to empower your own, um, mm -hmm. your own employees. Yeah. Well, um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, metrics and how do you track the business benefits? Again, starting from the place that there's nothing wrong with the fact that these things help your business. Um, it just shouldn't be the only motivation. So how right. do you track um, whether you're having an impact on your company as well as on your um, uh, community and the issues right. you care about? So you're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, and we're talking with Matt Gans, founder of Evo Advisors, about corporate social responsibility. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you're a business owner who wants to use the power of free enterprise to not just help yourself and your own family, but your employees, your community, and the world at large, then tune in to Socially Responsible Business. Host Sharon Schneider, a serial entrepreneur and impact advisor to some of the world's most prominent families, will help you uncover all the ways you can succeed financially while using your business as a force for good. Every show will include practical ideas and tools that you can implement right away. And it's not about spending more money. It's about thinking and spending differently. Socially Responsible Business, hosted by Sharon Schneider, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at TheIntegratedLife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. I'm here with Matt Gans, founder of Evo Advisors and a strategic consultant to companies on their CSR efforts. And we've been talking about how to make sure that, yes, your business is benefiting from CSR efforts like employee volunteerism, but how do you also make sure that your community, the nonprofit partners, are actually benefiting from it as well? And you know, to me, this is like a really important distinction between sort of traditional approaches to CSR and what it means to be a socially responsible business is that duality of succeeding as well as, uh, again, not not at your expense. I want us all to succeed. My business, your nonprofit, our community, our employees all together. So Matt, I'd love to sort of talk to you about how do you know if you are having that impact? How do you know if you're succeeding there? Because lots of companies will have employees log volunteer hours, or they'll report on dollars that they've donated. Um, And these are good metrics in in that they're easy to count, (laughs) which, you know, they're easy to understand, they're easy to count. What what alternatives or additions, I guess, would you recommend to really track the impact um, both on your business and on your partners. This is such a large, this is a rather large topic, right? How do you quantify impact? But first point though, you know, companies log donations and volunteer time because you, you're so right. They're easy to track. You build a simple web form with some input fields and you're done. These outputs mean nothing, but they give you numbers you can put in a fancy graph that looks cool. It conveys nothing about impact. You know, we had spoken previously. There, there was a re- there's a large movement for quantifying impact in this sector, and it's sorely needed, right? Because impactful data is now a gatekeeper to funding. You know, and that's for a variety of reasons. Tech billionaires who operate their philanthropies like their their data driven you know um, applications that made them that money. We spoke of Jason Saul of Impact Genome, who believes that giving out money with no real way to track impact is simply spraying and praying, spraying money into the community and praying that you're having an impact. 
And people like us who subsidize the charitable tax deduction deserve to know if it's giving any benefit. You can spend an entire episode on that topic, and it's a worthy one. Mm -hmm. But lastly, one way that companies can innovate in this area is by registering, onboarding their nonprofit partners onto a registry like Impact Genome to get that quantifiable impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you started out by sort of saying, well, traditionally, CSR is trying to increase employee engagement um, and retention. You know, one of the things I often encourage my clients to do is actually track retention. I mean, Mm. track your own numbers compared to your industry peers. So for example, last week we talked to um, Soul Community Planet, Penn and Pam Cruz, who are in the hospitality business, and they shared that, you know, normal hospitality turnover, as you can imagine, is a hundred percent, a hundred percent in the year. And theirs is down in some properties to 75% and some to 50%. And, you know, they attribute that to their uh, social impact work at a, at a broad scale. And so are companies looking at some of those HR metrics or, you know, how do they sort of measure whether employees actually are more engaged and um, happier Right. Through a variety of ways. So three years after the George Floyd murder and the social justice reckoning and the corporate social, you know, financial commitments of hundreds of millions of dollars, people are looking for data because CSR, even though people say that's now become a strategic business imperative, they need to validate their investments. So yes, it is employee surveys. It is retention rate. It is looking, going to your HR department to see if you're still having problems hiring. You know, those are the metrics that they need. Someone is looking at them. And I'm telling you, if those numbers are not there, your CSR programs are going to be deprioritized. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories to that point about job openings, like how long do they stay open? I think that's a metric some people oh, track is like days no. to fill a, a job opening. But one of right. my favorite um, uh, anecdotes, and, and I'll have um, my friend uh, Dante Johnson join us on a future episode where he can share this, but he was running a, a business and one of his employees came to him. They they were hiring for a, a manager in training and said, I think I've got someone. She's one of us. Mm. She's one of us. And there was so much meaning to me in the way that that woman described it was, first, I'm looking out for other employees that might fit into this culture. And it's so strong. And I'm so you know, feel such ownership, right? To say she's one of us, mm-hmm. um, not like she's got some good management skills or, you know, she's been a supervisor before. Um, yeah. That, you know, that that to me is the anecdote, but the data is maybe days to fill an open position, right? right. I could also see, you know, as a in one of my other lives, I'm a grant maker and um, do give grants to community organizations from philanthropies um, who that is their only job. And as we think about the impact on our community partners, one of the things we often look at is their health of um, 
you know, the nonprofit, whether they have strong financial systems, whether they have good governance in place, and are we helping them to just shore up their own operations? So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a common thing that CSR programs do, or again, is it truly limited to, I want to, I want to count the hours volunteered so that I can advertise that to potential applicants to my open position. Of course, in the most conventional of ways, right? But not everybody does it that way. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm saying, like where companies can come in and innovate and provide support beyond the check. That's a trust-based philanthropy phrase, beyond the check, all of their valuable assets that they can put in support of a nonprofit, including their governance is, is very, very valuable. These are the kinds of things that I'd like to see supported. that I don't see so much of now. And, you know, for those of you who are more old school before the term trust-based philanthropy, you know, came along the last few years, it was often called venture philanthropy. The idea Mm. of of, of wholly adopting um, a nonprofit partner and saying, what is it that you need operationally or otherwise to just strengthen your programs and grow your reach? So, um, I would love to ask you for our community listening today, especially those who might be smaller in terms of employees or revenue, what is the practical, the next right thing that they can implement in their own businesses to take a positive step forward in terms of CSR? Right. Um, So first of all, many small private companies are the ones that are the most generous, right? Exceeding the standard 1% pre-tax profit back to their communities. What's the next right thing you can do? Don't mirror traditional philanthropy, right? That only perpetuates the shortcomings. But I just wanna make two big points. You know, CSR can be more and companies can, can innovate in this area. Your company can innovate in this area. So you focus on giving money first and then your network access and then your employees. And then you find your partners to maximize your pool to giving. These are other individuals, companies, nonprofits, think tanks, and research institutes that operate as nonprofits, community foundations, and co-ops, people that have longstanding you know, reach into the community. You pool your resources for an outside, outsized effect. Invest in bankable deposits at CDFIs and CDCUs. Invest in nonprofits impactfully even providing enterprise seed capital to emerging nonprofits that need investment. And before we let you go, Matt, please tell folks where they can find you if they like your ideas and want to talk more. Oh, sure. Uh, Evo Advisors is evoccs.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Matthew Gans. Wonderful. Well, I can't thank you enough for being our guest. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you'll join us again next Monday and all the Mondays after that. So bookmark our show at voiceamerica.com and all the big streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. We'll be back streaming live next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Network Business Channel. You've been listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. We hope we've given you some ideas of how your business can succeed while being a force for good. 
Until we talk again, visit www.theintegratedlife.com for resources to take a small but meaningful step today.